Well, we made it to Christmas. It's an amazing journey. You know, it starts in our culture way back in August, I think. You start seeing the trees out and you start seeing the Christmas stuff coming in and it just builds and builds and and the energy keeps growing until fatigue sets in and all of a sudden you're here and you can just breathe a sigh of relief. Well, tonight as we, or this morning as we talk about Christmas and the Christmas story, I just want to bring us back into it where we're going a little bit is that the Christmas story didn't just happen, right? It, it, it started way back. If you read your Bible, you, you start in the book of Genesis and we recognize that God created this beautiful world and then there was this great rebellion. And in this rebellion, it brought this darkness to the world and, and it was terrible and the darkness spread everywhere. Immediately, God just launches with this huge promise Certainly at the beginning, it was shrouded in mystery. But as more and more the Bible was being written, it was becoming more and more clear. But what happens is you read your Bible, there's these moments. There's just these delightful moments, powerful moments, insightful moments of when God breaks into human history like no other way. So you think of the people in Egypt, right? And, and God says, now's the time. I'm bringing you out. And there's this moment where they're coming through the Red Sea. And we call that a kairos moment, a special moment, a holy moment, a significant moment. And we see these just written throughout the Scriptures, just moment by moment as the time is moving along. All of a sudden, there's a burst of a kairos moment. But a lot of people didn't see it. They didn't understand it. Some of them didn't believe it. And as time went on, some even denied it ever happened. Well, the same is with the Christmas story. Things are moving along, moving along, and then boom, there's this Kairos moment, and God sends His one and only Son. Now, if you just back up and and look at the history at that moment, there was a number of religious groups three main ones that I want to bring out, there were the Pharisees. You read about them in the Gospels. The Pharisees, they knew God was going to do something, but they didn't know when. And their thought was, not now. Well, then you got the Sadducees. You read about them in the Gospel stories. The Sadducees had a different twist. They didn't really anticipate anything. But then there's the Essenes. Now, the Essenes you may not be as familiar with because they're not as prominent, but they're a significant group. In fact, many people believe John the Baptist came out of that Essenes group. Now, what's significant about them and what is very important about them is they were studying these scrolls. We call them now the Dead Sea Scrolls, right? They were found in 1948, but they go back about 200 years before Jesus. And in one of the Dead Sea Scrolls, there's a fragment that they found. And the Essenes, out of all the religious streams that were flowing into the first century, it was the Essenes who wrote down, could the Messiah be divine? But they made it a statement, not a question. They started to believe that now there was going to be a divine Christ. And so what we've been doing in the Christmas story is looking at people, looking at their specific statements about the Kairos moment. Because today, you're going to have 
fun with family and friends, maybe last night, the last couple of days, the next couple of days, and you're gathering with people, and some people look at this Christmas, and it, it's just a holiday. It's just a time to be together. Others look at it, and you're here certainly this morning because it's significant to you. You see it as a kairos moment. You, you see it as God invading this world. And then there will be other people that are just like, really? Really? Could that really have happened? God become a human being? Could it really happen through an immaculate conception, right? So you got all these thoughts going on. So this morning, we want to push the story just a little further. We've listened to what Mary had to say about the Kairos moment. We listened to Zachariah and what he had to say. We looked at Simeon and what he had to say. We looked at what Jesus had to say. Well, this morning, we're going to look from another direction. And it is so, so exciting to see. But now I need to set you up just a little further and why these different viewings are so important. When you gather, maybe you've got a couple families coming together. This happens in our family. Back when our kids were growing up, my brother would bring his kids, my sister would bring her kids, my other sister would bring her kids, we'd bring our kids. All these kids, and it was just an amazing time together, right? Just chaos and confusion, loud and exciting and fun, right? We're all at the same event. But if you talk to my brother about what happened at the event, what would happen? It would be very different than what my sister said. And it would be very different than what my other sister said. And it would be different from what I would see. Now, was everyone correct? Probably. They're just looking at it from a slightly different perspective. And that's what we tried to capture in our series this Christmas. Was as Mary looked at it, she saw it from a certain angle. Then we saw what Zechariah was saying. They're all reading the scriptures. They're all studying different things. But there's reasons why a focus becomes there. In our family gathering, a lot of times I paid attention to my kids. I love my nieces and nephews, but maybe I didn't pay as close attention to what they were doing. But my sister, who was she paying attention to? Her children. And she may not have been paying as close attention to her nieces and nephews. So when you look through the eyes of different people, you capture different emphases. So this morning, what we want to do is look through some new eyes. If you have your Bible, it'll be up on the screen, but I'm going to be in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. If you feel like standing, if you're able to stand, let me invite you to stand as I read Matthew 1, 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. 
All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we're here on this Christmas morning. What a precious, precious day to gather in the name of King Jesus. We ask now that your spirit, your Holy Spirit, would speak through your word and bring alive to our hearts these precious truths of you invading human history. What we're calling a kairos moment, a holy moment, a sacred moment to see what you wanted to do. Not only then, but now and in the future. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may grab a seat. Well, I just want to begin with, first of all, that Christmas reminds us that we need a Savior, right? We, we need a Savior. And that's what the story is, is, is about, right? We, we see this. Now, kind of to bring you into the setting a little bit of how this unfolded, uh, I want to give you a picture. Joseph is asleep. Now, I, I give you here a rendering. Rembrandt, I, I, I'm a Rembrandt fan. I love looking at his art. But what he would do often is he would draw sketches, maybe hundreds of these, before he ever got to a painting. He would often do it in brown ink. And so wanted to give you a little sketch before he got to his painting of the angel visiting Joseph. But Joseph is asleep. And actually, as you probably know the story, the angel visited Joseph a couple times. This is a picture. I'm granting or, or grabbing that uh, Joseph was asleep and uh, giving him what we just read. But then there's another story part where an angel visits Joseph to flee so that he would escape down to Egypt. But Joseph's asleep. And so the eyes that we're looking through this morning are the eyes of an angel. Now we're told in Peter that the angels longed to look into the things of salvation the things of god delivering people from bondage the things of god delivering people from sin and shame and guilt and the power of death i mean the angels just can you imagine they're in heaven they're in this 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 otherworldliness place and, and they're looking and they're watching and it says they long to see this and so here's this angel involved and and speaking to joseph and we, we can't spend a lot of time looking at all of this, but what we begin to see is that Jesus or Joseph gives the name Jesus. Now, many of you know Jesus is the Greek form of the Hebrew word Joshua. Hebrew Joshua means God saves or Yahweh saves. And so the Greek form of it is Jesus, and he's setting up what God is wanting to do, that God is wanting to save his people and so we we see these different things in fact if we read matthew 1 1 we get the genealogy of jesus and it it just brings us into this this one this jesus this this christ let me just read genesis or matthew 1 1 it says a record of the genealogy of jesus 
Christ. Some of you may have a translation that says Jesus the Christ. Because we kind of put it together. We like Jesus is his first name and Christ is his last name. No, it's Jesus the Messiah, the anointed one. Right? And then he goes on in 1 1 and he says, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So there's this identification of who this Jesus is, that he is the son of David, the promised one from the Old Testament that would sit on the throne of David. He's come, he's arrived, he's here. Or we read something like Isaiah 9 6. It says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. Right? We're familiar with this, but listen to this. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Now, those aren't so much names as descriptions there, that he would be someone that would be able to counsel us, coach us through life life, direct us, give us perspective in how to live. It says that he will be a mighty God or his name will be mighty God. I mean, that's amazing to think about because Isaiah's writing 700 years before Christ. How much did he grasp and see that this one that God was going to send would be God himself? I mean, the Essenes started to believe it. They started to see it. They started to link up Psalm 110, and they start to link up Isaiah 9, and they begin to see, wow, the Christ, the promised one is going to be divine. He's going to be mighty God. But then Isaiah uses the next phrase. He calls him or gives him the name eternal father. Now that doesn't startle us. You know why it doesn't startle us? Because Jesus, when he taught us to pray, how did he teach us to pray? our Father. So we learn very early on to call God our Father. But you know, and I know, when we read our Scriptures, our Old Testament, calling God Father was just not very common. It's there, but it's not very prominent. It's more often that we referred in the Old Testament to God as the Lord. As the Lord, as, as this, this ruler, right? But here in Isaiah, we're calling this promised one eternal Father. So we begin to see the linkage between God the Father and God the Son that, that they could be one. And of course, we know that from John 10.30, right? I and the Father are one. And then the last phrase is Prince of Peace in Isaiah 9. And, and, and here's the one that can bring peace, bring shalom to our souls. And that's what we want. In a world that we live in, we want this sense of shalom. So we all know that there's a number of names that God or that Jesus gets, but here in the passage, he will save his people from his sins. When we name our children, sometimes we pick up names of significance, right? We grab names from the Old Testament or the New Testament, and we want our children to pick up those character traits. We want them to, to well, see those things in them. And so when we see that he's called Jesus out of Hebrew Yahweh, or uh, Joshua, Yahweh saves. We get the push now that God is going to use this one to deliver us from sin. Isn't that a powerful thought? There's nowhere else to go to find deliverance from our stuff, right? And so this Christmas, let's just be mindful that this Kairos moment, this moment where God brings all these things together is because we needed a savior could i just plant one more seed of thought for you in the old testament when they sacrificed let's say the day of atonement and they went when they walked away from the temple they knew they were cleansed they knew they were forgiven but they knew something else they would have to come back 
over and over and over again. What's so exciting about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ is it's once for all, it says. The just for the unjust. So here Jesus is the just, the one who could die in our place. And that's what we needed. We never have to go back. It's once for all. We're forgiven. And so what the sacrifices of the Old Testament did was they kept pointing forward to a time when there would be one full and final sacrifice. And of course, the book of Hebrews talks about a lot of that. So Christmas reminds us that we need a Savior. All of us need it. All of us fall short of the glory of God. All of us make mistakes. All of us fail to love people. That's what sin is. We, we fail to love God and we fail to love each other. We fail to care for each other. We fail to protect each other. We fail to be kind to each other. We fail to serve each other. And so what Jesus does is He comes and He cleanses us and He gives us a new start. So this morning when you walk out of here, I want you to know that Jesus has forgiven you and you can walk out of here free and cleansed and ready for a new day, a new start, no matter what the past is. That's the beauty of it. But there's another name that is given, right? The angel, the angel is speaking here, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Take this one as uh, to take Mary as your wife, right? You can imagine those conversations between Mary and Joseph, right? She'll give birth to a son. You give him the name Jesus. And then it goes on in verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. And then it picks up in another quote from this divine messenger, this angel. And you know the story of angels in the Bible. Angels every now and then visit us. Angels now and then participate in this world. And many of us have angel stories. I have several angel stories I like to tell from time to time where God had, had invaded through angels. Well, here the angel is uh, invading Joseph's dream. And it says in verse 22, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And now we get the name Emmanuel. God with us. So Christmas reminds us that God is with us. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? That we know that God has not abandoned us. That He is with us. So as we go through our day-to-day, -day, we need to be mindful that He is with us. Remember what happens at the end of Matthew? The very last chapter, chapter 28, the very last verse, Jesus says to His disciples, He says, I'll be with you always. Always. That's a great comfort in a world where we sometimes feel isolated, we feel alone, when sometimes we can even feel alienated from a spouse or from a sibling or from a friend where things pull and, and we're like, but Jesus, he says in Hebrews 13.5, he says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm never going to abandon you. So Christmas is a time to remember this, that, that his son will always be with us. You know, we, we use a phrase, you probably have heard of it, the buddy system, where you do things as a buddy. Sometimes they do this in the workplace, right? You, you get assigned a buddy. And what that means is you, you, you just stay with that person. You shadow that person. And it becomes a buddy. And, and, and they walk you through how to grow in the job, in the experience of it. Or you go on a hike, right? And, and you don't want to go alone because if something happened, you'd be isolated and alone and, and no one to help you. So there's a buddy system. I did some scuba diving in my earlier years and we always wanted to dive as buddies 
Because if something happened, there was always someone there to be with you. And I remember doing a dive, and one time I had to share my oxygen with another guy. That's the buddy system. You're there. What this is is that Jesus is, and I don't like to refer to him always as a buddy, but it's the buddy system. He's always with us. He's carrying us along, and, and that is so, so beautiful. Now, some of us have had a hard year in 2022. You look back, and what I want to do as I, I wrap up the message this morning is we're going to spend some time uh, just looking back and looking forward. What I want you to do, and children can do this too, is look back and say, where did I see Jesus touch my life in unique ways? And it can be in a lot of ways. Let me just give an example. Uh, last night when we were watching the video, or maybe you saw it online, you know, God gave a family a rainbow picture of a promise that says and reminded them God is with them. That's a beautiful promise. Other times it can be a friend, a phone call. You might receive a phone call out of the blue, and God just used that phone call to change your perspective. Sometimes you'll be reading the Bible, and all of a sudden a verse that you've read hundreds of times comes alive like it never did before. Right? Sometimes it's music. Sometimes it's theater. Sometimes it's a movie. Right? There's things that God uses. So I want you to reflect on 2022. But then I also want you to recognize that we don't know what 2023 is going to be. 2022 may have been a great year, a banner year, but you don't know what the next year is going to bring. It's not about what the year was or what the year will be. It's that Jesus is with us and that's a great hope now we focus so far this morning on the first coming of christ but you and i know that jesus is coming back but sometimes we just stop right there so in first corinthians 13 it says you know hey now we see dimly as in a mirror but in the future or then we'll see fully but sometimes we stop there End of story, Jesus returns. That's not the end of the story. You know that. And sometimes we don't spend enough time thinking about where's the story going? Can I tell you where the story's going? Jesus is returning and he's going to make you whole, perfectly whole. He's going to remove away all sin, he's going to take away all illnesses. He's going to take his people and gather them to themselves. And then he's going to do something so amazing. Most people don't even believe this. But I'm going to tell you what he's going to do based on 2 Peter. He's going to take this earth and he's going to refashion it. He's going to restore it. He's going to rebuild it. How he's going to do it, I don't know. But that he's going to do it is going to happen. And it's going to be perfect. You know the pollution that we have here? No more pollution. You know all the crazy things that are going on here? No more crazy. Wars, all that. It's all done away with. It's a pristine, perfect environment. And guess who's going to be the king of that earth? Jesus. And guess who's there? People that have trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. And they'll be in this pristine environment, enjoying Him face to face, enjoying great foods, great conversation, mixing with all the saints of all history, enjoying life and enjoying God 
day after day. Now that may sound like, oh, is that going to get boring after a while? It can't get boring, and I'll tell you why it can't get boring. is because God could never be exhausted. There will always be more that God is doing. There will always be more that God is wanting to show us. There will always be more that God is doing. So yes, Jesus is returning. He came one time. He's coming again. But the story's going to continue, and he's going to bring you there. And that should fill us with great hope. So when he says, Emmanuel, God with us, it means for eternity that he'll never turn his back and for all eternity even into the new heavens and the new earth will be with Jesus so I'm going to invite the band out and I'm going to invite the band out and and they're just going to play a little bit and what I'd like to do is let's just take some time to linger here see we need Christmas because we need God with us we need Christmas because we can't go life alone. The strongest of us still are going to get beaten down in this world. The best of us still need Jesus with us. So let's reflect and maybe ask God just in the quietness of your heart to just say, God, remind me of those moments in the past year that maybe I have forgotten where I saw you work. Maybe it's several moments but these Kairos moments. And then after a couple moments, just start pushing towards the future and start dreaming of the day when Jesus is going to return and start thinking about the hope of being with him, not merely in his return, but in the new heavens and the new earth when everything is made perfect. So let me pray for us. And then the band will lead us in a few moments. But let's linger here just for a moment. Father, you are so amazing. Nobody could write a story like this. Nobody could dream of an adoptive father, Joseph, taking a son, Jesus, into his home and making him his own and filling the line of David so that Jesus could sit on the throne of David. Who could have dreamt this up? Who could have dreamt up a God-man? Who would have dreamt up a crucified Savior, crucified Christ? And then who would have dreamt a Holy Spirit being with us? A comforter. God, would you remind everyone right now, even our children that are here, moments when they thought something new about Jesus or a moment when they saw Jesus at work in their classroom or us, whether we saw God at work in our family, in our workplace, in our neighborhood, in our extended